you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. I wanted to talk to you about being spilled or wasted or poured out. Is it wasted or is it poured out? I want you to think about that question. Wasted or poured out? 2 Samuel chapter 23 looks back on David's life and recounts some of the heroic deeds of the people who are known as David's mighty men. And there's one guy, and I would say this, I doubt if any of you know his name. Do you know who killed 800 people? Let me just tell you his name. Josh Eb Bash Hebeth. Joshib Bash Hebeth. He killed 800 people at one time with the sword. Now, why don't we remember his name? I'm going to tell you why. It's his crazy mom's fault. Every child in Sunday school should be talking about him. He should be the action figure. He should have gotten his picture in the children's Bible. He killed 800 people. But it was his mom's fault. She understood nothing about marketing. Samson, now that's a cool name. Samson's a cool name. You know, you can make a t-shirt with it, showing flexing his muscles. Everybody knows Samson. But who remembers Josh, Eb, Bash, Hebeth? What was she thinking? You know, even Moses. You know, you can have some little catchphrases. Mo, let my people go. But Josh, Josh, Heb, Eb, Chef, who can remember that? Well, then there was also Eliezer. And Eliezer, the son of Dodi, the Ahoite, his parents didn't do it much better. Now, the Israelites were retreating, and he stood his ground when all the other people are running back. I want you to hear this. Old Eliezer stood his ground and fought until his hand grew tired. And the scripture says that his hand froze to the sword. And he defeated the Philistines, and whenever the Israelites came back, the only thing they did was strip the dead their bounty. That's what they did. Because this guy stood in the midst when everybody else was running, and he fought until his hand literally stuck to his sword. There's another guy, and his mom wasn't thinking, and Shammah, son of Agi, the Harite. The Philistines gathered to fight near a field of beans. One version says of lentils. And the Israelites fled. This guy was hungry. He liked to eat a lot. And so he took his stand in the middle of the garden. He's like, wait a minute. You ain't taking my beans. You might be able to take whatever you want, but you ain't taking my beans. And they're in the middle of this garden of beans. He fights and he defeats the Philistines. And there's something for us to learn there too as well. With Eliezer, when other people are running back, sometimes it takes some people with courage to step forward. And here, this Shammah, whenever he had certain things in his life that he said, I'm not giving up. There's some things that are worth fighting for. And for him, it was beans. It was green beans. He said, you can't have my green beans. They're too valuable for me. I'm not going to let you have them. And there's sometimes as believers that we need to look at some things in our life and we need to draw the line and say, everyone else might run away, but you can't have my kids. 
you can't have my nation. You can't have my church enemy. You can't have my finances. You can't have my neighbor's kids. You can't have my schools. You can't have my community. There's a time when you and I need to step forward and fight like Shama did. And then there's Abishai. Now, that's the name we remember a little bit better. Abishai was Joab's brother. And he killed 300 men with the sword. Then there was also Benaniah. And he killed Moab's two mightiest warriors. He's the guy who went down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. And he also killed a huge Egyptian. Now the Egyptian was armed with a spear. And Benaniah, he had a club. And he fought against him. But Benaniah took the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. There was something about David that motivated others to do great things for God. His leadership inspired them to sacrifice their own comfort and their security for a greater good and a greater cause. You see, David had risked his life for God's glory when he faced Goliath. And now others were risking their lives, their comfort, their security for a greater good. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, we want to just pick up at verse 13. It says, During the harvest time, three of the thirty chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. And David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would, or excuse me, have water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistines' line, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Now, Father God, we ask that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would speak to the church and that we'd receive of you today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I understand it, this scripture is written from the perspective of looking back on some of the highlights of David's life. A lot of times we can, you know, we read some of the things in Scripture and and there's so much that takes place that we need to understand the Proverbs, Proverbs 31 woman, right? And we're like, wow, well, that's over a lifetime that a person did and accomplished those things. And, And as we look back over David's life, I want you to keep in mind that David spent a long time on the run from Saul. When the Philistines hear that David was declared king, they came to fight against him. And David had, after he became king, one of the first things he does is he captures Jerusalem from the Jebusites. But Jerusalem was not some huge metropolis. Jerusalem at the time of David, David's Jerusalem was only like 10 acres. Like we're thinking, Jerusalem's like a New York City, a Manhattan. No, it wasn't. When David took it from the Jebusites, it was a small, it was just a small little village. It wasn't some big metropolis that we think of whenever he took it. At this time, David is camped in a dry and arid place. He is thirsty, 
And I would say he's out of his comfort zone. We read earlier that David went down to the cave of Adullam. And he has a stronghold there. He's in a dry and arid place. He's thirsty. And I would say this, David's in a place of being homesick. If you've ever been away from home very long, you know what it's like to be homesick. Bethlehem is not that far away because remember, that's where David's from. But the Philistine garrison is a stronghold. It's there. So it would not be a good strategy for David to stroll down Main Street. And David makes this longing statement. He said, I'd love to have a drink from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. If you've ever been away from home any time, as I said, you know what it's like to be homesick. And you just kind of long to see, to have some of the comforts of home. Some of you may, if you've ever traveled for any length of time, you know, you're thinking, man, I don't want to go out and eat. I want to eat at my house. I don't want to sleep somewhere else. I want to be home in my bed. I want the comforts of those things that are familiar to me. This is where I belong. You know, home's a place where you belong. This is where I belong. This is where I feel the safest and the most secure. And and David's in this place and he doesn't feel, he's longing for a drink. He's not just thirsty, but he's longing for the drink from the well there at Bethlehem. Three of his men hear his request. And I don't think it was David putting out a challenge for them to go there. I think it was one of those statements that you make sometimes in, man, I'd love a cheesesteak about right now. You ever say that? If you've ever been away for a while, maybe there's certain foods. Man, I'd love to have some of mom's sweet tea. I'd love to have some of mom's iced tea, whatever those things are. Three of his men hear his request, and they go behind enemy lines, endangering their very lives to bring David a drink from the well. Now, this is a part that I always had a hard time with. The men bring the water back without David asking for it. They bring this water back and they go to present it to David, but David won't drink it. He refuses it. I can see the men being somewhat disappointed, thinking, David, and we love you. We know you would do anything for us, and we just wanted to bless you. And and when you said you wanted it, we wanted to do it for you. This is for you, David. We wanted to do this for you. And David says, I'm not going to drink it. And instead, he takes it, and he pours it out on the ground. And he says it's an offering to God. Now, there are many people who would watch an event like this and get frustrated and confused. What a waste. What a waste. Why would he waste water like that? In a dry and arid place, there's not a lot of water. I'm just telling you, I've been there. There's not a lot of water there. You don't just see the little streams going all around like we do here in Lancaster County. Why would he waste it? Doesn't he know that these guys risk their lives to please him? Yeah, he does, and that's the reason he refuses to consume it and offers it to God. The verse says, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives and David would not drink it? David said, these guys risked their very life's blood for me to have a drink. This is too valuable of a sacrifice for me to simply consume upon myself. And he offers it to God. It's kind of like that woman who came and broke the alabaster jar and anointed Jesus' head and his feet. 
She anoints the sea with her tears and wipes his feet with her hair. And other people are standing around and say, look at all that she wasted. But there was nothing greater that she could do with that treasure that she had than pour it out. I sense that today there are some people that are at a time of confusion. The thought that kept coming to my mind was that there are people who have been wrung out like a dishcloth. You don't feel fresh. I sense that there would be some people here today, at least one person, who feels like they feel like an old dishcloth that's been laying in the water and they've just been wrung out. Not fresh and ironed, not new, not looking good. That dishcloth that's been just wrung out and just all wrinkled and that's the way their life feels. Perhaps you've been going through difficult times, things that you don't understand. Maybe you feel like your labors and your life is being wasted. This isn't the way it's supposed to be, God. What a waste for me to go through this. At this time in my life, I should be here. And look where I'm at, God. At this time in my life, I've worked so hard, i strive so much, I should be in this place, and the current should be behind me, the wind should be at my back, I shouldn't be facing this opposition. And sometimes you feel like it's being wasted. You feel like your life is being wasted. You feel like, why am I going to all this work? Why am I going to all this service? Why am I doing all of these things? Isn't it just a stinking waste? And if you're not careful, you begin to get resentful. You begin to get resentful towards God. God, why are you doing this to me? You begin to question yourself and say, God, what have I done? Is there some sin in my life? Is there sin in my life? Am I falling short? Am I missing the mark? Am I out of your will? What do I need to do, God? Just tell me and I'll do what you ask me to do. But you just feel like your life is, it's being poured out, but it's being wasted. I got good news for you today. Your life isn't being wasted. There are some of you who are being poured out. The greatest thing that that woman could do with the alabaster jar was not contain it, and pass it down to her kids. It doesn't do any good there. The greatest thing that she could do with that alabaster jar was to allow it to be broken and allow the fragrance to fill the room and allow it to be poured out upon the feet of Jesus and anoint him. And can I say this to you? The greatest thing that can happen with your life is for you to allow God to break you. You say, Pastor, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It feels like it's going backwards instead of forwards. I don't want to do this. It's messing me up. What am I doing? What's happening? Why isn't it going my way? Why aren't things falling into place like I want? Why don't they do what they're supposed to? Why doesn't this happen? And you can be angry and frustrated. Or you can offer yourself today to the Lord as an offering. You can offer yourself to him as an offering. You can say to him, God, see, because what the enemy wants you to think is that the enemy's stealing it from you. He wants you to think that it's being wasted, that that it's stupid for doing it. And what the greatest thing that David could do was not to drink that. The greatest thing that David could do, there was nothing greater that he could do than to take that water and pour it out before the Lord Lord, this is an offering to you. This is an offering to you, God. And today, that's what I sense is happening in people's lives. You can be mad about it, or you can rejoice and allow when you're being run out. You can rejoice and allow yourself 
and willingly give yourself to the Lord to be poured out. The Apostle Paul experienced this. And you know what he says to us? And I think it's important that we look at this first part. In Philippians chapter 2, will you turn there with me? If you are in a place where you are being poured out, if you're in a place where you are being wrung out, if you're in a place when things aren't necessarily going the way that you planned for them to go at this time, Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, and I think this first line is very important for somebody. It says, do everything without, what's the word? Complaining, grumbling, other versions say, without grumbling or arguing. Quit your grumbling? (laughs) Now I know we want to, but it says do everything without grumbling or arguing. Quit arguing with the Lord about it. He knows what's going on. Isn't he faithful to you? Hasn't he been faithful to you over the years? So the message to us today is do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you might become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Listen to what Paul says. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. We think of the Apostle Paul, beatings, shipwrecks, persecution, people abandoning him, the people who he taught turning against him, all of these things taking place. And Paul says, you know what? You do everything that God asks you to do without grumbling or complaining because God's building you up right now. God's building you up. In the midst of a crooked and perverse world, he's building you up so that you're going to shine like lights in the darkness, like stars in the sky. And he goes on to say to them, Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, that's what's happening in my life. I'm being poured out and I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to growl about it. I'm going to be glad and rejoice and you should too. Paul recognized that his life was being poured out as an offering before the Lord. It was not being spilled It was not being wasted. The enemy was not stealing from him. Rather, Paul willingly gave it. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 3. Paul says this. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commended ourselves in every way. We give ourselves. We turn ourselves over in every way. And what does he say? In great endurance. That's where some of you are at right now. Some of you are on your second marathon or third marathon or fourth marathon. You're like the ultra marathon runners in this life. In great endurance. It says in troubles, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, and understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons 
of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Paul says we have weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report, we're genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. That sounds to me like someone whose life is being poured out. And he says, in the midst of all of that, he says, listen, that dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote this, verse 6. He says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished a race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says, I'm already being poured out, guys. I recognize what happens. The enemy's not stealing from me. My life is being poured out as a drink offering on the service of the saints. And he says, it's the time of my departure is near. Do you know that it's not much longer that you're going to have to endure some of the things you're enduring? The, the time for the coming of the Lord. You know, I've been reading all this stuff in the newspaper and watching the news about this, the, the homosexual marriage and all of the things where our country is just turning away from God and they're calling things that are, that are wrong right and things that are right wrong. And, and I just realized that I know that we know this, but there was, the, we sang a song at our house. We, we did some devotions and, and we sang a song. And I forget what the song was, but I just began to weep because I realized this, that my heart is longing for something more. This isn't, you know, uh, oh, my soul longs for the coming of the Lord. The, the one that Crystal leads us in. My soul longs for the coming of the Lord. There must be more whenever justice will reign. And I realize this, that there's a longing in my heart for the coming of the Lord. There's this change in my heart. And, and friends, that's what has to take place in our lives for God to get us into the place where he wants us to be and for us to be focused upon his kingdom. Is there, there needs to be this change of allegiance from this world to that world. There needs to be a new vision, a new sight of not just what's happening in this world, but what's happening in the kingdom of God and what's taking place in the eternal things. And that's where our affections need to be upon. Unfortunately, if you're not being poured out, it's going to be hard for your affections to be directed on that one. If we're consuming everything right here, it's hard for our hearts and our longing to go towards heaven because that's where God's preparing us for. Paul goes on. He says, there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Did you hear that? Those who allow themselves to be poured out as an offering before the Lord are going to receive a crown. Not a crown that's temporary or a crown that will fade away, 
but a crown that's eternal. And what we'll do with those crowns is we'll lay them at his feet because it's for him. It's why we do it. As we close, I just want to have a few moments of prayer with you. And this is what I want to pray. I want to ask you, what's taking place in your life? Is it being wasted? Is it being dispelled? The things that are happening in your life, is it just the enemy triumphing over you and beating you and you losing? Or are you being poured out? I just sense that as a church that there's some folks today who need to just willingly say to the Lord, because it's taking place in your life. And if you're angry about it, if you're grumbling about it, I know it's hard not to, but if you're grumbling about it and discouraged about it and losing heart and being staying up at night awake, unable to sleep, you're missing out on what God's trying to do. What he wants from you is he wants you and I to offer ourselves to him and be poured out as a drink offering because we're being poured out for the Lord. We can rest in that. I don't have to worry about that. I know it's for good. I know that God's accomplishing something. Or you can keep fighting against what's taking place in your life. Because whenever God pours you out, can I tell you what? He'll restore you. He'll pour back into you. In fact, the reality of it is when you allow God to pour you out, you will find that he will have, there will be more, it won't be a reservoir. It'll be living water flowing through you. You'll have more than you ever need if you'll allow him to pour you out. It'll be fresh. It'll be new. Once you get through that process of being poured out, he renews us and he refreshes us and he revives us. So as we close, I just want to say today, as we pray, maybe there's some folks here, you just say, Pastor, I just want to be honest. I just feel like there's been some things in my life where it's just been wasted. I've been going through some things and it's just been burdening me and heavy on me. I've been questioning God, not sure what's going on with my life. But I just want to offer myself to him today. I just want my life to be poured out before him as a drink offering. And I want to do it willingly, without grudgingly, or without complaining. But I want to allow him just to pour my life out. Whatever the service he has for me, whatever the, the things that he's trying to accomplish, I want to trust him in that. If that's you today, can I just ask you to do this? If you're just willing to allow the Lord to, you're just willing to allow the Lord just to pour you out, just like David, you know, we're th- I was thinking, why did he pour it on the ground? Because there was nothing greater he could do than to pour it out before the Lord. If that's where you're at today, you just like to allow yourself to be poured out before the Lord. And some of you, you're saying, well, pastor, I'm being forced. Well, if you're being forced, then get in line with what he's doing and say, that's cool, God, I'm with you. Don't fight against it. If that's you, can I just ask you to stand up? Come on up to the front here. I just want to pray for you. You're just gone through a time or you just want to offer yourself up to the Lord today just to be poured out before the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts because he's faithful to do that. He's faithful to do that. Hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we offer ourselves to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, the enemy would say to us that he's going to steal from us that he's going to rob us, 
The enemy would say to us, what you've been going through has been a waste. The trials that you have experienced in the past year, they're just made to steal your joy and your peace. They're made to cause you to feel like you are just a wrung out dish rag. But those very trials that you've been going through are God preparing you for his next step in your life. Those trials that you've gone through. Lord, the difficulties that we go through even this moment, we're able to rejoice in them. And I thank you, Lord, even in the midst of the difficulties, even in the midst of the difficulties, we've had enough time with you, our Savior and our King, that we know we're victorious. We don't have to go around crying and whining. We have victory because of what Jesus done. We can look back. You can look back upon all those prayers that you offered up to the Lord. And you can see the victory right there. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, as we look ahead for the things that you have for us, God, as we look ahead, Lord, as we've dedicated ourselves to you, we've surrendered our will to your will, and we've asked you to use us, Lord. And when we're in that time of waiting, and we're not sure what's happening... We're in that time of waiting. We're saying, God, I'm willing. I'm, I want to be used of you, but don't feel like you're opening the doors. I just thank you, God, that as we remain faithful, you are going to kick doors wide open for us. The doors are going to open up just in the right time, Lord. It's your time. It's not our time. It's your time. Lord, thank you for the work that you've been doing in our lives. Thank you for the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the sanctifying work, Lord. You've been burning out those things that didn't belong there. Lord, it's through that daily time with you, that daily, that discipline. Lord, it's been working righteousness in us, and it's not going to fail. It's not going to fail. It's going to accomplish the purposes for which you sent it. Lord, we thank you today. You are using those trials, those difficulties. Lord, your word says you work all things together for good to them that love God, for those who are called according to his purposes. Lord, sometimes we feel like we've been poured out and then you squeeze us and you pour us out more. We feel like, Lord, sometimes we're that toothpaste container that's been squeezed and it's like you're squeezing more out of us and squeezing more out of us and we think surely there's nothing left and then you take us over the edge and squeeze more out of us. But God, I thank you that you're going to use You're going to use their faithfulness and obedience. So Lord, I just sense that the enemy would love to cause him to lose heart. He would love to cause you to lose heart, to lose confidence in God, to throw up your hands. But I just know that that's not going to happen because God's spirit dwells within you. His spirit dwells within you. Lord, you are so faithful. Lord, I'm asking that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that as they take steps of faith, in obedience, maybe just some things that God puts upon their heart. And they say, I don't quite understand why I'm supposed to do this. I don't quite understand why God's moving on my heart to do this, but I'm going to do it. God, I just ask that you would use them mightily. I pray that when they take steps of faith, that you would meet them, that they would see the miraculous taking place in their lives, God. In the name of Jesus.